On this episode of The Playbook, I have Chip Wilson, founder of Lululemon, and we're gonna talk about being authentic about your inauthenticities. Join me for all of this and more on The Playbook. This is The Playbook, where I give you access each week to the world's greatest athletes and executives about their personal and professional playbook and what has made them champions on and off the field. This is The Playbook. The word entrepreneur takes hold here with Chip Wilson, the former founder, well, founder and former CEO, is that right? Or chairman yeah, yeah, of no, Lululemon. Sure. Yeah, thank you. And sir. author of a book that I just, uh, it's a, a Bible book, Little Black Stretchy Pants, and very creative cover, uh, which we can get into. But um, <laughs> anyway, Chip, you grew up very similar to me with economic challenges. Sure. And sure. you have five children, five yeah. boys, in fact. Yeah. The first question I want to ask is, my biggest challenge in life is that I feel I was blessed to be challenged at a, as a, a oh, young boy. Yeah. Like I had food stamps, I had a single mom, six mm-hmm. kids. <clears throat> How do you transfer you know, the strengthening that we had, the resolve that we had because we had challenges at a young age to your own children when they can have whatever they want, in essence? And, and whether you give it to them or not, they know that you're there. Yeah. And we never knew that. It's the single biggest problem, I think, that we have. And how do you become successful and yet instill that in children? I, I spend probably 30% of my, my brain power thinking about it because I love my children. And, um, and so I think the number one is I think uh, my wife and I just have to be the absolute best parents of integrity, responsibility, how we treat other people. Um, so that's one part of it. I mean, we've, we've really worked on the... The, the philanthropy end and bring them into that philanthropy end, but I don't think they quite get it yet. And I'm not, and wealth transfer experts talk about it all the time, but I'm not really sure that that really takes hold. So the bottom line, I think it's about all who we are because I think children look to their parents as to what, as the model, no matter what. Yeah, I think you nailed it. They look at us, but they won't listen to us. <laughs> Right? They That's watch why us. we have coaches and teachers. You know, you can't do anything with them. Exactly. I was blessed to be involved with Steve Clarkson, who's a quarterback guru here, yeah. coaching Will Smith, you know, Snoop. Joe Montana's Nikki and Nate were coached by him. Yeah. And I was so surprised. I'm like, Joe, what are you paying all this money for Steve Clarkson to coach your boys? Yeah. He goes, my kids won't listen to me. <laughs> You're Joe Montana and your kids won't no. listen. Like, it works very opposite, actually. Yeah, it comes in days where they yeah. definitely don't. Integrity is so important. I have uh-huh. a saying, the truth vibrates the fastest. Mm. And for you to live your own truth without, especially today with social media, media in general, all the chatter, how do you stay in it? integral position, meaning there's so many moral choices that we make and you have to be true to yourself. And you have been through business, your surf and skate days, all the way through creating Lululemon when people probably told you it was a terrible idea. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and you know, how do you say true to yourself? Well, one, I, I'm authentic about my inauthenticities. And that's really a great statement, it, meaning that I know when I'm doing something to look good, uh, where I'm either dressing to look good or I'm saying something to look good or I'm going into a party to look good or sometimes even when I'm lying to look good. Um, and, and of course that's when I 
when I get clear on all that, I, re I recognize that if I can be authentic to people about, okay, like I'm dressing up to look good for today, I don't really, it's not really who I am, or hey, I'm going to tell you this, it's not really the truth, but this is, what I'm really getting at is that, <clears throat> is that being clear to myself about when I'm being fake allows me to not be fake, which allows me to be real. It's almost a process. David Corbin wrote a book called Illumination. Mm. And when we illuminate, you know, these fallacies or, you know, when we're playing a role, right? And all of us have to play different roles sometimes, even yeah. as a parent, right? We sometimes will fudge the truth to our kids to help motivate them or to bring clarity to what they're achieving. Um, another issue that I see with uh, that is um, radical humility. Mm. I think every great leader, and I do, mm. not to suck up to you, but I think you're a great leader, but they, they all have humility, and part of that humility is saying, look, this is situational. This is what I'm doing, and you know, it's not necessarily self-deprecation, but there's a radical humility that takes place. I don't think, you know, for example, we were talking about when you're young, you know, can we get our kids involved in philanthropy? I don't think it's necessary. I think our receiving values are very important. Our experiential values are very important in our 20s. There's time for our giving values to exceed our, our taking values. Yeah, yeah. 20s is not that time for you. <laughs> no, right? no, I agree. And enjoy yourself. But how do you, you know, or where in your chain of, of age, and I know time is a big issue mm -hmm. for us too, but where in that kind of change did you turn on the humility? Because I know you were projecting your insecurities when you were young, yeah, your first, like of, I was. Yeah. When did that come? Because like, it's so important for people to know. Well, I, th I think that I went through life in survival mode. Like, you know, like what could I do for anybody else? I couldn't even like feed myself. And then I had kids, you know, without a mortgage. And I'm just like making it day to day. I mean, I'm not thinking about other people. And then it was really at the age of 42, I kind of woke up one day after, after actually I'd read a hundred self-help business um, guru type books. And I just kind of had this revelation that life is, my life is going to be about giving before expectation or return. Did I have enough money to do that? No. So it was a conscious choice to cross the bridge to be a different person than I was before. And I found that by giving before expectation or return, then the type of people I attracted in my life had my life be successful. Yeah, the shift. I call it shifting the paradigm of value. I wake up oh, good. at almost the same age, 30, but it took me to, to lose everything. You know, I was successful at a young age and then lost everything for one day to wake up saying, wow, this is the first time in my life I'm not happy. Mm. It's because I was manipulating, overselling, back-end selling yeah. and taking. Yeah. I had to fill the void with promises that I had made. And when I realized if I shift this paradigm of value, wake up every morning, pray to God for 10 people I can help, only try to provide as much value as I could, even though I had lost everything, that I felt the universe would bring back so much more to me. But you didn't know that at the time. Oh, no, and, it, and I didn't believe it in 100% either. Yeah. So like, I know, you, yeah, yeah. Right? I would say I wrote that first check to charity. Yeah. Uh, my wife, I, got a, I worked for Lee Steinberg, mm -hmm. so I had a good job. But I wrote a check. I had no house, no furniture. I rented every, I lost everything. Mm. So I write this check for a scholarship for my high school because that's how I got to go to college. And I asked my wife, can I, you know, is this okay? I want to write it to the Crescent Moon Foundation for a scholarship. And can she, I get to interview you now? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> how, how long did it take to, to, 
from that point of giving where you actually saw like, oh yeah, my life has changed and oh, things are different. Like, because it doesn't happen the moment no. you decide, it happens the time the world society decides. I, I, would, I would say it's still happening to be okay. fair, yeah, yeah. right? I still have fear. I've lost everything before. Am I making the right decisions? Mm. And I feel that scarce energy. Mm. But that first day my wife said, oh, you finally get it. Mm. And then I said, well, I'm starting to trust the universe. Mm. She said, well, double, double the amount. Said, I, don't, I don't trust you. <laughs> and, and she still challenges me because, yeah. you know, you brand yourself a yeah. philanthropist. Yeah. Well, I try my best still and evolved. Yeah. And I believe everything in, is consistency of how consistent can I be with mm. these beliefs. Um, but it definitely is easier now to continue to help others and to write checks, to, to raise yeah. money and give my tithing or whatever you want to define it as. All yeah. are good. I was going to say that. What's interesting is that, is that if you, when I'm listening to you, you're doing it because you actually believe in it. There's, again, it's the being, uh, being fake in life or looking good in life. Too many people, especially in the world of social media, are giving away to charity to look good for either their corporation or themselves. But the world can innately, subconsciously see it and feel it and their life still won't be successful. Yeah. And I think that's really, the context of that is really important. And I think it's percentages. You know, you've been blessed mm-hmm. in an abundant lifestyle yeah. now. And I joke around that the percentage that I give is important to me. Because mm. it's so easy to impress people when you make more money. Mm. Right? We can say, oh, I gave a community center. What if that was like 0.001%? Yeah, yeah. I remember buying my first ring to, to get engaged. And it was more than I had. And then <laughs> I broke that off. And when I married my wife... I, you know, I hate to say this, honey, but it was a very little percentage of what I had. But everybody was so impressed with the ring. Meanwhile, people were like, oh, that's cute. You like the first ring? Then the second ring was like, wow. Yeah, I know, I know. You love your wife so much. Um, I, I had to get a tattoo. There was no money left after I bought my wife. No, I, I'm smart. I bought my own. Sorry. Um, now, life, all these things we talk about, my, my definition of happiness evolved as well mm-hmm. to the enjoyment of the consistent every day persistent without quit pursuit of my potential and everything that i've read about you what excited me to get here 7 a.m was i haven't met anyone that is so aligned with consistent persistent pursuit of potential from the mission statement that i read that you created to your lifestyle to meeting me after back surgery at 7 a.m in the morning what is the power of consistency in your life well i look at the word consistency as the word commitment and I th- and then that comes down to the word integrity again. Like I, I am who I say I am. I do what I say I will do when I say I will do it. And if I can't, then I get back to everybody immediately and, and, and reset the conditions of satisfaction or the buy-win date. So I, I'm someone who can be counted on. So what comes out of my mouth is who I am. It's interesting. Someone said, I think it was one of the bigger compliments to me, and I thought of it when I was reading about you, because, you know, Chip, you're a way maker, right? You're someone who finds a way, yeah. uh, a miracle worker, which I believe is a philanthropist, mm-hmm. uh, then also a promise keeper. Yeah, yeah. Right? I, I look and see your history. You, you keep your promises. And then, of course, light to darkness, which is your positive energy. Mm-hmm. Out of those four things, what is most important to you? Being a way maker, a promise keeper, a miracle worker? Well, innately, I'm a way maker. I think that's who I genetically am, but I had to learn to 
to be a commitment maker, if you kind of put it that way. I, yeah. in, in other words, I had to see a life that wasn't working for me to choose a different way of being. Oh, you did a lot of self-help. Yeah. What, what are some of your favorite books or programs that you were involved with? Well, uh, we built the whole Lululemon cultural system on four things. And uh, it was really, again, being 40, 41, 42, listening to all these books and going, you know, there's really four things that that encompass everything that I read. I mean, right from Marcus Aurelius to <laughs> you, you name it, you know, right, right through Dale Carnegie. And, and it came down to once that everyone knows seven habits of highly effective people the book good to great by jim collins with the hedgehog principle and what a level five leader is um, and then the psychology of achievement by um, brian tracy yeah. eight hours of cds on what successful how successful people move through life from philanthropy to communication to family to goal setting so there's an hour of goal setting which is the psychology of goal setting and why people do and don't really fascinating and then I've really been a big believer in the Landmark Forum course. Yes. And really that's where I really learned about integrity and responsibility and, and really creating my present from the future, not from this negative past. I read about you, we should always say, if you put faith in the past, you're gonna get more of the past. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> for, you, for you, you know, looking at the past, how um, do you utilize awareness though? I, you know, we have great and very similar philosophies mm. from Think and Grow Rich. In fact, I'm the chairman of uh, Junior Achievement University and Brian Tracy donated all oh, of his really? content for kids to build businesses. Fantastic, he's so, a great guy. Yeah, isn't that's he? his part, right? Right, yeah, yeah, he's amazing. And yeah, so yeah. did Bob Proctor and these other people yeah. that you, it's extraordinary. But you know, for you, like awareness is something that I try as a business coach to teach people because these lessons are all great. You can take many different programs that have these similar values, but how do you utilize the presence or awareness to say, hold on a second, I shouldn't be lying here, or, or if I'm doing this, I should be more illuminating about it. How do you, you know, practice awareness? Because that's, to me, the key. You can know all these things, but if you're not aware it's going on and you still make the bad decisions, what good is it? Well, for me, it's, it's really a declaration of who I am in life. So um, now the thing is I can make that declaration from my past experiences or I can set it from an unknown future. So I, in, I say, well, who, who am I 20 years from now? And I'm a man of love, commitment, integrity, and family. So then that's who I become in the present. And so that's how I act and operate. That's awesome. And I also, you have an interesting philosophy about infinity, right? Infinitum. Mm. And you believe that almost everything lives in infinitum mm. except for our bodies, the embodiment of ourselves. Is that correct? Well, uh, you might have to go a little bit further on that because that takes me in too many directions. <laughs> oh, okay. For, for you on the time, for example, mm. right? I love time because mm -hmm. I think people don't utilize oh, time efficiently. Mm -hmm. Time is one of those things that isn't infinite here, but it has an infinitum in, in another realm. Well, how I look at what I, what I think you're saying and how it's a catch-22, which is where the book Catch-22 actually came from, that the more interesting our life is, the faster time goes. And so the real battle in life, I think if you live a full-on life, that's really interesting is how do you slow it down? 
Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. go back and take your 10, physics 10, 20 class in grade 11 or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and that's where you, I think, utilize meditation mm. and yoga, which is kind yeah. of an inspiration for your business. Yeah, it's, it's the choosing to be present. I originally got that from athletics, from the runner's high, or the, I was a competitive swimmer, so, yeah. you know, where that endorphin rush is coming. And what I noticed when I was in that high, a couple times a day for like three hours, that there is no past, which means there, there is no future, because you only have a future based on your knowing the past, so then all you have is the present. And being in the present, I think, is where all creativity and all fun and, and life happens. Have you ever studied The Course in Miracles or heard of that at all? No. It may be a book. Uh, it's something that I started studying five years ago mm. that deals exactly with that issue. Now, I always like to, to uh, get into, for entrepreneurs, the difference between a good idea and making money. Mm. Right? You're, you're sitting in a yoga class realizing mm. that there's a need out there for a different type of apparel to be utilized for a very fast-growing form of exercise and stretching, mm. which is yoga. And that's a great idea. But I'm sure that there is probably at least another thousand people that have sit in yoga class that have said it in their mind. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this is a good idea. I, my idea when I was little, that was a great idea, was a big ice cream cone that you could put a sundae in. And then, of course, waffle coats came out. But, I'm, but I didn't know how to monetize bum, it. Bum, bum. Yeah. And now the guy owns the whole, you know, the guy who started Big Olaf in South yeah, Mission Beach yeah. with the role, he owns the whole block. Oh, Imagine really? all from an ice oh, cream really? cone, my oh, idea. Really? He didn't steal it, he channeled it first. How, how do you make that transition though between, hey, there's a million good ideas out of there, but you mm -hmm. have to monetize it. How, how did, were you able to, because it wasn't like everything you did turned to gold by the time you were 42. Where did that switch get turned on of being able to monetize a good idea? Well, <clears throat> I think the experience of my life was whenever I saw something three times, I moved on it really quickly. So. Um, just for, you know, the yoga part of it, it was, you know, seeing something on a telephone post where you rip off a number and going to a yoga class, hearing about it in a coffee shop, and then um, uh, reading about it in the newspaper, like all within a week. I'd never heard anything about yoga, and then, oh my God. So, <clears throat> then, so I know there's something there, and then I kind of go, do I really want to risk my whole life again and go into something and bet the farm and my family and do this? And, <laughs> and then I read in the paper where... Uh, 1998, where 60% of the graduates out of university were women. And I knew from working in Africa with women that the whole goal there is because a higher education woman has the longer she'll wait to have children, the fewer she'll have. So I knew a whole market was going to exist that never existed before. And that was a, you know, probably a 25 to 32 year old professional, single, uh, athletic, stylish, condo owning woman and that had never as an employee and a customer so when this time I had four things and I went this is going to be great so I you know that was, became that. easy that is amazing and I have a rule of three with no's no matter what the universe tells me if I'm not getting what I want I do the walk away close and 50% of the time it closes the other 50% of the time oh. I've not wasted my time but oh. I, I believe in the, those consistent messages oh. uh, to finish up, last question, which is always my favorite. You've been so successful at what you've done, and you've really enjoyed that consistent, persistent pursuit of yours. Family, philanthropy, community. Um, what legacy, you know, your life is still early on, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. What legacy do you want to leave now moving into the next kind of quantum shift or era of your life? It's very simple. 
And I think if this happens, then everything will have fallen into place. And that is, I want to be sitting around um, a Thanksgiving table when I'm 85 years old, and I want my children and grandchildren to all be making jokes and laughing at me. <laughs> and I say that because if that's occurring, it actually means they love me. And then I will have been successful in probably just not family, but in life in general. That is amazing. We, you know, take the theory of relativity right back to those most relative to us. And mm -hmm. although we don't look for, you know, that need to understand those who know us best and accept all our faults and judge us in that context still love us. You know, especially grandchildren yeah. that won't lie. Yeah. No, no, no. You know if your grandkids are making fun of you that you've lived a great life. That's what I'm taking from the whole per the whole playbook. Perfect. May everybody have your grandchildren take and make fun of you for the rest of your lives. What wisdom we have. Chip, I really look forward to getting to know you better and hopefully being right. of service to you. I'm just a big fan and really appreciate everything that you're doing. Thank you so much. Well, you deserve it back. Thanks, wow. David. Thanks, Chip. Appreciate it. Thank you so much.